point. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of In the Zone, episode 74. Once again, coming to you via Skype. Chris Martelli, Anthony Pinello. Guys, WrestleMania weekend, this Saturday and Sunday. It's too big for one night. You got to have the uh, two nights. Everything fans wanted to hear. There's uh, 16 matches scheduled. So, uh, what are you looking for most <laughs> for this weekend? Uh, what am I looking forward to most? Probably uh, Edge's comeback match. I think he's going to go all out here. Um, it's a shame that there's no crowd, but I think they're going to really make it work. Um, and I see, I see Edge also getting the win, so I think that's what I'm looking forward to most is Edge's comeback match. I think that and Taker and Styles, just because of the promos they put on last night, just got me that much more amped for that match. So I'll go with those two matches for sure. Yeah, that, uh, let's talk about that Undertaker thing. It looks like he's coming out with the motorcycle again. I'm loving this new look, this promo. And he said, uh, make me famous, or he's going to make him oh. famous. Uh, bringing up how his wife had a finisher move that actually got over, bashed AJ's career, saying he was a big fish in a small pond. What are we expecting now from this new Undertaker? Uh, I think we're going to expect more of a brawl. Um, I don't know if he's going to... Well, we all know he's not going to do his high-flying stuff anymore, but I feel like this is a lot more personal. Um, I think you add Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, the three at, the two ass clowns, you bring them in this. Um I think uh, I think Undertaker's in a win in convincing fashion. I don't know how it's going to kind of go down, but with this whole new look, he even looks a lot bigger too. Like he looks a lot more jacked. So I don't see AJ Styles standing a chance, but I still think it, it's going to be a good match. I think he'll get a shot in for sure. It's AJ Styles WrestleMania. You kind of have to. So uh, obviously, this is a dream match, a little bit past its prime, but the storytelling over the last couple weeks in the promos has been amazing. So just for that alone, I'm so excited for this. So uh, going on this, who would you main event? I think Drew's probably going to main event the second night. So if you're going with this card, I know they announced Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins as night one. What's your main event for that first night? Um, is Undertaker AJ Styles the first night or is that the second night? That I don't think they uh, look at me. No, they didn't announce any nights. Only one match. They announced um i would probably have undertaker aj main event the first night if not that i'd probably obviously have the goldberg match main event or um shana baszler versus becky lynch um, but other than that you could e you could even go with edge and randy orton i think there's a lot of different options you can go with now that there's no fans you could go with the nostalgia you can go with the title i think regardless you got to end both nights on a, on a good note. So hopefully they don't end it with Goldberg. So I think actually anything but that, I think it, it would work. Honestly, I think that is the only option. <laughs> that That's it. That's all I got. Roman and Goldberg. I don't see how that's not closing. For that oh, other night at least. Uh, Braun and Goldberg now. That Roman's a Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, everything's fucking... <laughs> Braun Strowman versus Goldberg. Oh, God. A match we all Finally want. I called that, too. I said that. I said, oh, yeah, Braun will probably maybe replace him. 
fucking happened. I think they're in his 2017 run. That would have been perfect. Yeah, but Goldberg can't lift them up. So I don't know how this match is going to (laughs) go. A spear into a power slam. And then it's done. One, two, three. Braun wins. Back to the house shows. Do you think think Braun actually is going to win, though? I have my doubts. I think Goldberg. You're going to see a solid stare down and then a quick spear. And then that's it. I feel like this is it for Braun. I feel like if he loses this, it's over. It's over. Down to NXT. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I'd like to see Braun versus The Fiend if Braun were to win the title. That'd be, that'd be that'd come full circle. So, makes sense. See John Cena getting uh, another win over Bray? Because uh, I have my doubts about uh, the, what they're doing with The Fiend. No. The Fiend has to win this match. Um, like like what we talked about last week at the end of the pod where we want Cena to win 17. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't see Cena winning here at all, especially after what he went through two years ago against The Undertaker, or last year or whatever the hell it was against The Undertaker. I don't see Cena beating The Fiend. I mean, they already killed The Fiend, so... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like like you said, you have your doubts for a reason. But, no, I think The Fiend needs to win this. I don't see Cena winning this at all. I think it's like worst-case scenario. If The Fiend were to lose, he can go into like a more and sick and twisted kind of uh, demented character. Yeah. I don't know, like you show those dark sides. All, like he, No one saw him losing to Rollins, and then he kind of went into that other side after. I can kind of see this. Ah. Uh. Worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> now on to another singles match for the first time in his career, which is crazy. Dolph Ziggler gets a singles match at WrestleMania, and he's taking on Otis. What are your <laughs> expectations for this? And could we see a show stealer with these two? No. No, you can't. Um, this is going to be like five minutes. Um, Otis is probably going to win. Uh, I don't I don't know if Dolph is really going to win here. It's a shame what they've done with Dolph Ziggler. Um, I saw his tweet with uh, how he has as many singles matches at Mania as Michael Cole. So uh, <laughs> it's it's really sad. But I'm I'm just going to stick with this this theme where they just shaft Ziggler. So I'll say Otis wins. I'll say Otis wins, but it's going to be a very entertaining five and a half minutes. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, on to another match that's getting people curious. Charlotte, Royal Rumble winner, taking on NXT champ Ray Ripley. Are we uh, putting Charlotte now on Wednesday nights to help them with the ratings battle, or do you see Ray going over in this? Um, it's either you go with that, the first option, um, where it shows WWE's desperate, or you go with... Rhea Ripley finally becoming a star and beating Charlotte Flair and retaining. I think they really need to go with the, the, the later option. I think Rhea Ripley needs to win this. Um, Charlotte's done it all. She's, what, 33, 34 now? I feel like just put a young, just put Rhea Ripley over at least for now. I know maybe in like two, three months, Charlotte Flair will probably get another title. So 
Um, yeah, I think Rhea Ripley needs to have a WrestleMania moment. I know a lot of people may say it, it may be coming too soon, but this girl's a superstar, so I'm going to give Rhea Ripley the win. I feel like the more time passes, the more I feel like I'm changing my answer to Charlotte. <laughs> I don't know. I see her on NXT, and ah, they really need a lot of help down there when it comes to, like, um, the viewership and this whole the last month or so has been very messy so they've been having charlotte on every single show and um i'm wondering if it's just they're having this feud and then they're gonna forget about Rhea because she's been really hot recently and i don't know if she's gonna be taking a backseat because they do that with some people well they'll give them this mass big huge push and then it's back of the line after yeah Yeah, everyone thought she was next in line, but like you make a good point. Ray is only twenty five, and she's taking Charlotte on at WrestleMania. Like, that's a big fucking task. So, I still got Rhea for now, but I would not be surprised if Charlotte took it. She did beat Oscar, so. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, what do you think now? Onto the Raw side, Shayna moving from NXT to Raw. Who is your pick in that one? Shayna is my pick um i like what they've done though recently with uh, kind of becky kind of you know being a little more aggressive trying to even the field with Shayna. we all know Shayna's the better fighter um but like again wwe just showed how keen they are on her what she did in the chamber i think that just shows the end result i think she's gonna win the title and i could easily see her having a reign like becky lynch maybe a year plus so I know there haven't been a lot of women's champs on Raw, like a lot in the last year and a half, but that's amazing. I think that's what a lot of WWE champions need to start doing. You can't be playing hot potato with the titles. So um, I, I, I think it's it's predictable that Shayna's winning. I'm just excited to see how it ends. I think it's going to be a... Yeah, I got Shayna winning too. I want to see like a big baby face, uh, like make you believe that Becky will actually beat her and then Shayna just have her like choke her out in the end and then start your one year reign from there. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's the end. <laughs> it's gone on too long now. I thought it was going to end in September, October around that time. They ended up extending it into now. If she were to win, I think a lot of people would be upset because they just their star at the chamber and to have her lose so soon after they did that, I think would be, causing a lot of problems for the division. It lacks a little bit of depth on the Raw side, so hopefully she takes that. But onto the SmackDown side, we got a five women... Oh, God, this sounds like a disaster. Five women <laughs> elimination match. Or no, fatal five-way elimination match for the title. Got Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. <laughs> so Sasha's winning, right? Um... I'll say Bailey retains. <laughs> uh, I feel like if Sasha, if we all want Sasha Banks to win the the women's title, do it in a one on one match. Don't do it in a fatal five way bullshit like pinning Tamina or whatever. I feel like if Sasha's gonna win the title, I want it to be a little more of a special moment. Even though if it's here at WrestleMania where we see like a Sasha finally turned face or whatever. Um, but I, I do really want to see Bailey retain here. I think that would surprise a lot of people. And uh, 
I think there's going to be a lot of title changes, so I think this one has to kind of stay for now, at least. The SmackDown women just always get shafted around this time. It's a one-on-one for Raw, and then we'll get for fucking 12 of you in a match for the other title. But, uh, yeah, I got Lacey Evans, and it's going <laughs> to... It's pretty funny. No one's going to be there to see it, but it's going to cause the Bailey and Sasha heel turn, maybe, and then Sasha can turn face, and then maybe they can pick up uh, or maybe get another chance at that feud. So that's what I'll what go makes you What makes you say Lacey Evans, Pinello? I know you, you, weren't, you weren't a big fan of Lacey. Like not no, too I'm long. still kind of not. <laughs> oh, she has improved. She's a lot better as a face. I mean, it's, it's a very positive type of character. It's not really a character. It's a real-life thing. So that is a, a good guy kind of thing. And she's been linked with Bailey for the last little while. So for me, that I guess it makes sense. But either way, I feel, just, I feel bad for the women because they're probably going to get like seven minutes on this match. Yeah, probably. Who's your final two then? Would you have Lacey take out Sasha in the end, or would you have her beat Bailey to start that whole uh, feud between the two of them? Oh, so it's elimination? Yeah, so it says here. It says five women elimination match for. Okay, then uh, I'm probably going to stick with. Well, Pinello has a different answer, but I'll say Sasha and Bailey in the final two, but I'll say Bailey wins. I'll say uh, Lacey and Sasha, and there's some like controversy, you know, like with someone's on the rope and then knocked off, roll up, and like it'll be some kind of cheeky shit like that. So I'll go with those two. Like it, like it, sounds good. And another match here, I think this can low key steal the show if they give them enough time. Alistair Black versus the Almighty Bobby Lashley. What are your uh, thoughts on this match? <laughs> I mean. I, it pains me to say that I don't really care for this match, but yeah, both of them are probably going to be very important players come like maybe like four months from now. Um, I got, I got Alistair Black winning, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bobby Lashley won. Um, but I'll, I'll go with Alistair Black, but it probably won't get a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah, I got Black as well. Um, I just don't see the point of him coming out week after week, kicking people in the face, being so convincing, and uh, and then just losing at the biggest stage of them all to a guy who we really see maybe once a month. So I got Alistair Black in a solid two-minute fucking brawl. I see this going ten minutes, and uh, I'm going to go off the board here. Bobby Lashley gets a win. They make him look strong, and uh, there's your next challenger for the Universal Championship. If you or the WWE Championship if he stays on Raw, because they need a heel. And uh, looking at the other match after this, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, do you see Kevin Owens getting a win finally, a big win, or is this Seth just adding on another Mania moment? I'm going with Seth Rollins winning this. Um, <laughs> I think uh, when you talk about guys that have actually intrigued me the last like month, it's Seth Rollins has probably been one of those guys. I mean, when you guys were coming over to do the pod, um, I was talking about how I really don't care for Seth Rollins right now. But, you know, his new character, I really like the promo he's given the last two weeks. Um, he looks really, really committed to his role. He always is. But um, these two guys are definitely main event players. If Vince were to give it the time, this could easily be match of the night. Um but yeah, I think, um, well, me, me and Pinello saw it um, when we went to Raw two years ago when it was for the IC title. These two guys just absolutely tore the house down. 
I could see the exact same thing happening, and uh, I could see the exact same result. I can see Seth Rollins um, winning in a, in a classic match here. Yeah, there's no way this is going to dis, uh, disappoint, but I also got Seth. Um, I think this feud's going to keep on going. There's going to be some fuckery with him and Buddy. So uh, I think he's going to get a rematch down the line. They're doing some awesome stuff. I don't. I really don't see why they should end it here. They've done it before where they keep programs past WrestleMania. I think this would be one of them. Yeah, I can see that too. Seth getting the win, probably with helps from Buddy Murphy. And uh, they're just going to continue on for probably another two, three months, depending on what they do with Raw. So I Love see it. Seth getting I one over see, our Canadian guy. I could see this feud like turning into if Brock were to fuck off. I could see this being like the winner of this feud faces Drew McIntyre for the universal title. So I, I feel like Vince has that in his back pocket, this feud. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. And yeah. Next match here, Edge versus Randy Orton. I'm excited for this one. Too bad there's no fans to watch it, but do you think Edge gets the win here? Or will they throw a curveball with Randy? Um... Like like Pinello just said, um, there's a like there's not a lot of feuds that can go past Mania. I could see this one still kind of going on past Mania. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Randy won, but I can't see Randy winning just based off of it being it's Edge's first match back. He looks amazing. Um, he's driven, you know. He's very committed to his body, to his mental health, everything. You know, coming back after. Like, how long has it been now? Like, nine years? It, it takes a lot. So, um, I think Edge needs to get this win. And I don't even know. Apparently, some people are saying he may get a he may get a WWE title shot down the line. I don't know if that's true or not. But I'll just stick with Edge winning this one. And, again, this match should be amazing. Yeah, I'll go with the safe pick. The promos week after week have um, they've really been blowing me away. And they shouldn't have because we've grown up with these two guys. We've seen how good they are. And... Both of them are, I know Edge is, oh geez, he's around 50, I think. Orton's in his 40s. These guys are still unbelievable. They can reel you in like no other. I'm going to take Edge. This should be awesome for sure, though. Yeah, going with Edge, too. See him getting that win. And uh, Orton coming out maybe a month later. RKO, I'm just to show him. Yeah, this feud's not over. We're going again at SummerSlam. Uh, another match here. We have... <laughs> Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. Because the other ones, I don't know if they're even going to go on, so not going to bother. <laughs> but Brock and Drew, is Drew going over? I, You know what? This is the one match I still have no idea. Um, for now, I'll say yeah. I'll say Drew wins. But, but it's Brock Lesnar, and it's, it's WrestleMania. So... I really have no idea. Um, like I said, they could easily push Brock's uh, feud to SummerSlam like they did last year um, or two years ago. Sorry. Um, I'm not going to be disappointed in the end result regardless because I'm already kind of anticipating Brock to retain. But if Drew were to win, it's absolutely monumental for WWE. It's going to be a completely new look, completely new guy. Um, it's not his name is not Roman Reigns, so that's pretty pretty awesome. So for now, I'll say Drew McIntyre gets his moment, but I would not be surprised if Brock Lesnar got the three count come Sunday. I need Drew McIntyre to win this match. 
It's <laughs> WrestleMania. It's for the WWE title. I didn't even think they'd fucking resign him again. He will never get this chance. <laughs> Did you guys see that video that Drew posted of him like working out in the field? That guy's oh, yeah, a fucking amazing. movie star. He's a monster. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster. I, I, I will be a little disappointed. I'm kind of programmed to expect Brock to win, but for this case, I need Drew McIntyre to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is interesting because there's no fans, and you would want Drew when he actually wins it to have his moment and uh, you know celebrate it by beating Brock to really coronate him. So I think maybe we might see Brock. I wouldn't put it out of the like out of the possibility of Brock wins. And they have a rematch later at SummerSlam or Money in the Bank, the first event they have back when this whole thing's done. But I see this going, hopefully Drew McIntyre getting the win. And uh, we already know from Paul Heyman last night, the spoiler, Brock next year. So who knows what they have planned for him after this. But I see Drew winning and having a program with probably Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I was going to say... The biggest excitement for me, if Drew were to win, is the potential matchups afterwards. It's very unpredictable. Like, you even have AJ on Raw. So, I mean, if Drew were to win, there's a lot of different guys that could face him. Um, So, that's, I think, what I'm looking forward to most if Drew wins, is the possibility of a lot of different matchups that we never really have seen before, especially in a main event spot. So... The more I think about it, the more I, we, we, we really need Drew to win this. But Brock has actually been really good the last year. Like, it's probably been the most invest. I've probably been the most invested in Brock probably the last year. So kudos to him for really, you know, pulling up his socks, especially when he faced, you know, um, you know Finn Balor last year. Uh, who else did he face? Um, Ricochet, like he's facing a lot of these like smaller guys, so uh, it's really good to see Brock really, you know, facing different matchups that we've never really seen. But yeah, Drew needs to get this one, I think. Wait, so uh, with that being said, he likes taking on the smaller guys. We see Alistair Black every single week knocking guys out. He's taking on Alino's man, Bobby Lashley. Obviously, there's a big step to get to Lesnar, but can Black be that guy eventually? Yeah, he can. Um, he's the, he's like we said, like I said, like he could be a big time player as soon as August. I think he could easily be in the main event. Um, he's that type of guy. He's that he's like that mystical. He's like that mystical character. It's like okay, like you don't know if he's a face, a heel. You don't he's really so know what he's gonna do next. He's very unpredictable. So, yeah, I mean, if Alistair Black were to face Brock Lesnar, for me, that's a match that could easily sell sell tickets for sure. Yeah, I'd like to see Black in the hunt for the money in the bank. If they end up having that match, I think Alistair Black would be one of the focal points in that match. And maybe if he wins a title, I'd like to see him go to SmackDown and you have him in The Fiend. I'd try to build from here on till next WrestleMania. And hopefully that can be one of your main events if they're going with the two-night thing. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, though, like, Mania's good. I mean, there's a lot of show stealing matches i think there's like at least four that i saw that could easily be wrestlemania worthy type like just outstanding matches so i hope even though there's no fans they put on a good show that's it boys but now we got to move on we got to go to the court um 
Yeah, we don't know when the when the NBA is coming back. Um, it kind of sucks. Everything's kind of on hold. But we're going to talk about the top 10 point guards of this season. Uh, so we can't include Curry or Irving because they barely played. So I just want to ask you guys, first of all, obviously we have honorable mentions, but uh, I guess I'll start this list with Pinello. Take it away, man. Your top 10 point guards. Alrighty, honorable mentions. I have only one, and he won the MVP almost ten fucking years ago. Oh my God, Derrick Rose of the <laughs> Detroit Pistons. Uh, he just continues to prove people wrong. Uh, he's getting healthier day by day. The guy's still a baller. He's thirty-one years old. Really, the only reason to watch that team this year. Still surprised he didn't get dealt at the deadline, but got to give him some love. So honorable mention. Alino. All right, yeah, my honorable mention, I'm going to go Markel Fultz. Nice little bounce back year he's had. Uh, I've been impressed because he was a number one overall pick, and when it didn't work out in Philly, off, he, okay, he deserved it because he was playing like shit, but now he really stepped it up. He's committed. He got away from those injuries and uh, improved his play more than his like, shooting, playmaking abilities, really trying to be more of an all-around player, so... He is in that honorable mention stage for me. Not in the top 10 yet. Yeah, mine is uh, Derek Rose, and I also have Ricky Rubio in my honorable mentions. Um, Ricky Rubio, guys, he's second in assists this season. He's averaging, I think, 9.6. He's only behind LeBron. Um, you know, when he got drafted, this guy was, like, highly touted, very highly touted. Um, his playmaking ability, his passing IQ is probably top five in the league. I remember when he got drafted, they were comparing him to Jason Kidd. They were saying this guy's going to be absolutely outstanding. And, you know, the, him him and Booker, that backcourt in Phoenix, it's pretty deadly, man. Like, I, like I'm not really sure if Phoenix were to, were to have made the playoffs this year, but they were right there. Um, so I have Ricky Rubio definitely in my honorable mentions. No one really gives this guy love. I mean, his offensive game is like a B-plus like, he's not an elite point guard when it comes to scoring, but, man, like, what he does, like, with his playmaking, it's absolutely tremendous. And, of course, Derrick Rose, like Peg said, he's been proving people wrong the last two years. Like, last year, or, sorry, uh, Halloween again, 2018, he dropped 50 points. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And then I think ever since that game, he didn't look back. He kept working hard. And, um, yeah, I'm surprised he actually didn't get dealt at the deadline because – I feel bad for him. Detroit is an absolute train wreck. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. And now, Pags, get to number 10. Alrighty, let's do it. Number 10 from the Kings, De'Aaron Fox. Um, I don't think this guy gets any love whatsoever based on the fact he's <laughs> on like a 12-13 C team in the West. He's so smooth. This guy is so smooth. I love this player. I don't think he um, – also, like, there are a lot of young guards in the league that probably took a step over him. That's another reason why he probably doesn't get mentioned a lot. He's progressed in points and rebounds every year. He's averaging 20 this year almost, so I thought I'd give him some love. He's my number 10. My number 10. Uh, also, De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> uh, yeah, just what he's been doing on Sacramento, just that team's so bad, and he's able to make the best of a bad situation. And uh, he hasn't really had a rookie slump like Lonzo Ball, uh, he had like ups and downs in his career so far. He looks like he's starting to pick it up, but 
I think De'Aaron Fox has really taken a step to becoming maybe one the guy in Sacramento. If he improves a little bit more, I think he could be, but uh, he's on his way to being a really good point guard in the league, and I have him at number 10 right now. Yeah, same. Number 10 is De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. Uh, the thing that surprises me most about him is how he's elevated his game every single season, even though there's guys on the team like Buddy Heald, Bailitza, Bogdanovich, you have a lot of different guys that can easily take points away from him, but he continues to just keep on getting better, keep on improving his mid-range. He's probably the fastest player in the league. If it's not him, it's Russ. It's one of the two. Um, but yeah, De'Aaron Fox's ceiling is definitely, it could be higher, than, it probably is higher than Lonzo Balls, at least now. But um, I don't really know what a career year looks like for De'Aaron Fox. That's my only biggest takeaway from him is, for me, the potential's there. I just don't know how high the potential is. So for me right now, it's number 10. I don't know if it can get any higher, but he's a hell of a point guard. Number nine, Jean Morant. Um, I really did not expect anything close to what he or that team has been doing this year. Uh, I don't think anyone has. They really they were projected to be a lottery team. They're so young, and now they're in the eighth seed, potentially taking on the Lakers if we get there. Um, him and Jackson, uh, their pick and roll is deadly. They're, oh my God, going forward, they are set on that team. Our boy JV in the mix there. Let's do it up. He's my number nine. Yeah, my number nine, Derek Rose, Detroit Pistons. Uh, big fan of his. I think this year he proved that he can still do it. Uh, the injuries have piled up over his career, so it's taken away like the MVP caliber level that we've seen from him in the past, but I think he can still play in the league and uh, a little bit more consistency in just the games he plays and when he rests, I think will do wonders from next year when he's probably on a contender because I think he's going to get traded maybe at the draft or free agency. And uh, I think we're going to see the best of Derrick Rose, hopefully winning a championship. Yeah, uh, my number nine is also John Morant on Memphis. I think this guy's ceiling, he could easily be the top, a top five point guard in the league. Um, if it wasn't Zion going first, he's he's first overall. Um, what we saw, what he did last year in Murray State, he had a couple upsets in that NCAA run. That was only, you know, we already saw what he could, what he was made of. I think he had a triple double last year. He dropped I think forty in one game. So his offensive potential to me is through the roof. I could easily see him getting better every year, kind of like how Lillard did. I don't know if he will be a better offensive guard. Um, than Damian Lillard, but man, his athleticism, he's only going to get stronger. Um, John Moran, to me, his ceiling is really, really high. So right now he's number nine. Next year he might he might be scratching top five. <laughs> uh, number eight, I got Trey Young. Uh, probably the only reason to – he is the only reason to watch the Hawks this year. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I really – I would have him higher, but – one of the worst teams in the league, and he's statistically the worst defensive player in the league. <laughs> the guy, is, he's a dynamite offensively, though. He's a human highlight, real fucking nutmegging people like no tomorrow. If you're going to watch the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young's a good start. Number eight. Yeah, my number eight is Donovan Mitchell from Utah. I got him. A lot of people might have him higher on their list, but from what Utah has been doing this year, uh, not too impressed. I thought they would be maybe top two in the conference, but 
he's still a really good player to watch. He's probably the best player on that team. And uh, I see him maybe taking another step next year. But I think this year was a little bit uh, a step back in his development, even though he's still an incredible player. But he still, to me, has a lot more to prove in this league. And I think he can get even better. So I got him at that spot. Yeah, my number eight is Ben Simmons um, on Philly. He is one of the best athletes I've ever seen, but his offensive game is absolutely awful. Um, He can't shoot the ball to save his life, and it's concerning because this is his fourth year in the league. It's not his first year. It's not his second year. It's his fourth Fourth year. And... um, And, um, you know, I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect with Ben Simmons when it comes to offensive potential. I mean, a lot of people are saying he can average a triple double every year, and he's got that athleticism, no doubt about it. His defensive game is elite, but his offensive game is just so weak. That's why I have him at number eight, kind of the opposite of Trey Young. Um, but yeah, if if Ben Simmons gets a jump shot, it's over. Like, it's literally over. Um, he'll probably be a top three guard. He's he's a taller version of Russ if he gets a shot. So, um, right now, Ben Simmons is eight. Kind of like what I'm saying with John Morant. He will climb the list eventually. Yeah, I got uh, I got Simmons at number seven. Uh, just to add to that, like a 6'10 guard with the handles and quickness for him, it's usually a mismatch on most nights. Uh, he's been like an all-star defender since stepping into the league pretty much. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about his shooting because I want it to be positive today. So I got Ben Simmons at number seven. <laughs> yeah, my number seven is John Morant from Memphis. Uh, came into the league, almost ended Kevin Love's career when he jumped over him. Just missed the dunk. But he's uh, one of the best players, I think, in that Western Conference. He's on his way. Just I think he's going to dominate in that position. He has everything you want in a point guard. And you've seen what he's done with JV. Like... Our guy there playing in Memphis. I think they got a good system going. They suit John Moran perfectly. So uh, I have him there. And next year, it wouldn't be uh, crazy to put him in that top five. Yeah, I remember even at the beginning of the – or not the beginning of the year. It was around, like, January. He was scratching to get the last spot in the All-Star game. Like, that's how that's how good John Moran is. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. My number seven is Trey Young. Um Again, like what Pinello said, he's an offensive god. I think he, next year, will probably lead the league in scoring. If it's not next year, it's the year after. Um, Atlanta found a gem here. Yes, they traded down. Um, they traded Doncic for him. Both those guys are going to be, they're going to probably be top five players for like a decade. So either way, I, like a lot of people are saying that Atlanta lost the trade because, again, of course, they traded Luka Doncic, but man, Trey Young is a great consolation prize. Um, his defensive game is again, um, he's one of the worst defensive players, but again, he will only get better. And he's not really on that team to play defense. If you look at that team, you have guys like Clint Capella now, John Collins, those guys are more defensive. Trey Young knows his role. He goes on the court and he averages about 28 and 10. Um, he actually has more 40 10 games than Stephen Curry does in his whole career already. So that's that shows how good Trey Young is offensively. He will climb the list as well. Number six, I got Russell Westbrook. Um, there's really not 
there's really not much difference here. He's averaging triple-double numbers like he always does. The guy's a freakish athlete. I was only kind of not concerned. I was just anxious to see how him and Harden were going to be once they linked up again. One of the top teams in the West. Um, he is shooting 25% from three, but we're not going to talk about that. So I got Russ at number six. <laughs> yeah, number six, I have Trey Young, like you guys were mentioning. Plays on a bad team, but he is the one guy on that team that he can reach elite status in the league. Probably has already. Just the threes he shoots. Reminds me of Steph Curry. And uh, his playmaking ability is insane. So I think once they get their system figured out, once they get like what they want to be with Collins and Capella together, get it another year under their belt, I think Atlanta could move back standings like similar to what we saw a few years ago when they had Lou Williams and Damari Carroll and Teague and all those guys. So I think they're slowly building something special over there. And I think uh, easily Trey Young's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, my number six is Kemba Walker on the Boston Celtics. Um, you know what? I was thinking of having him higher on the list, but the guys ahead of him, I think I've just had a little bit of a better year. But Kemba Walker, make no mistake about it, the last four years, he's just averaged about 23.5 a game. His three-point shooting has also gotten better every single year. And make no mistake, he probably had the best NCAA run of all time. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about his chemistry with Boston. He actually came to the team, and a lot of people were saying, is he the better fit than Kyrie Irving? Absolutely no questions asked. He came to this team. He knew his role. He knew that he would have to share the ball a little bit more with guys like Tatum and Brown and man oh man. If this season was continuing right now, I would easily have the Celtics in the finals. My finals was the Lakers and the Celtics. Um, Kemba Walker, for me, actually put them over the hump. And, um, yeah, he's that good. So, Kemba Walker, number six. Uh, starting off the top five, I got Kyle Lowry. who uh, uh, Since Kawhi Leonard has left, he's really picked up the load offensively. He's averaging almost 20 points a year for the first time in years. The Raps are the second team in the East. Uh, everyone wrote us out. Didn't even know if we're going to make the playoffs or not. And then Lowry turning back the clock here, 34 years old. Heart and soul, the team does it year after year. I got him at five. That's ridiculous how they were friggin' saying we didn't make the playoffs. It's ridiculous. And the lottery. Yeah. They're idiots over there. But yeah, Kyle Lowry for me. Everything you said. Uh, he's a champion. Everything he's done for this year. He's, his point totals have gone up sometimes, which is crazy. And uh, the Raptors continue to win. So until they start uh, out of the playoff race, which is probably not going to happen in this Eastern Conference. Uh, Lowry's going to be among the top point guards in the league. And at his age, he's gotten better each year. So I still think Lowry has a lot more years to give. Yeah, at number five, I got Chris Paul. Um, this guy is a clutch god. He's a point god. Um, this is the year where a lot of people were saying, Oh, he's going to get traded from the Thunder. He's going to go to a super team. He's going to be that lazy third option. He's not really going to do much. And here we are. Um, he stayed in OKC. He basically groomed Gilgis Alexander to becoming probably the next superstar in OKC. Um, Chris Paul, to me, is having a huge season. A lot of people wrote this team off, kind of like the Raps. But OKC keeps trucking. Gallinari's been amazing, too. Steven Adams, he's also going strong. But Chris Paul, he's the glue that puts everything together on that team. Um, I'm actually surprised I don't have him higher on the list. But 
Yeah, he's also 35. This is, I think, his 14th season in the in the NBA. And he continues to surprise people. Um, his three-point shot is continuously in around the 38%, which is about the average point guard. Um, that's what they shoot. But man, what I saw in the All-Star game from him, it's just his drive. It hasn't got it hasn't slowed down at all. If anything, he used this trade as motivation. Um, like a lot of people have him better than Russ this year. But man, I don't know. It's it's neck and neck for me. But for now, Chris Paul's at number five. Uh, number four, I got Kemba Walker. See that? You leave Charlotte and people know who you are. Top three team in the East, averaging 20 points a year. Uh, I think the second he got, no offense to Kyrie Irving, but the second he got there, that team just seemed to click right away. Everything runs so smoothly in Boston. Now Kemba's a big reason why. So I got him at number four. So Westbrook at number four. Uh, what he's been able to do in Houston, still uh, coming over from uh, OKC in the trade. Made it work. Picked up where he left off with James Harden. Uh, I I don't know what Houston's going to do in the playoffs. Uh, there's still a long way to go. Uh, their team doesn't really match up with some of the other top teams over there, but Westbrook is still uh, a proven point guard who, if they rely on him at times, he could lead to Houston getting over the hump. And uh, with Westbrook now at his side, maybe they could get to a final, but I still think uh, based on that, a uh, whole small ball thing, it might not work out for them, but Westbrook, whether it's in Houston or elsewhere, he's going to be a top point guard. Yeah, um, my number four is Kyle Lowry. Um, this guy, uh, he's the definition of heart. He's a definition of hard work, and um, he just continues to just dominate year after year, proving everybody wrong again. He's 34 years old now. A lot of people thought, oh, man, we got rid of Kawhi Leonard. Now Kyle Lowry's going to be the next to go. I think he saw those rumors, and he just made this guy more motivated than ever. Like Pinello said, he's averaging about, I think he's just under 20. If not, he's at 20 for the first time since 2016 when he lost all that weight, and he looked amazing. His three-point shooting to me is might be top five in the NBA. When this guy is on from three, good God, watch out. We saw early in the year when he just threw that ball up and it went in. Kyle Lowry, man, he like his range too is very underrated. Kyle Lowry, he probably won't get higher on the list, but man, I'm very happy for this guy. He just continues to prove everybody wrong. Greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry, coming in number four. Alrighty, kicking off the top three, I got Chris Paul in 2020. I think it's safe to say that uh, when he got there, no one really expected anything. They were close to a lottery team. Uh, it will spend your, you'll run out your contract and then move on, maybe go win a title. But OKC is right in the mix. They're in the seventh seed. Um, he's one of the true floor generals left in the game. Um, I, I just want to say I specifically have Paul Lowry and Walker over Westbrook just because I think they get more out of their players. And Paul specifically has been amazing at that this year. So he gets the number three spot for me. Number three for me, also Chris Paul. Uh, as it slowed down. And uh, everything you said there, I can't believe I'm saying this in 2020, that he's this good still uh, based on like the last few years of his career. Has he been able to get it done? He's had that knock against him that you can't go to the final with him. And this year, what he's been able to do with OKC, another bad situation, makes the best of it. They're in a playoff spot, which nobody even had them at the start of the year. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. And uh, for me, 
three. Yeah, my number three is uh, it was really tough, but like I I wanted to put Kemba and all those guys over Russ, but I have Russ at number three. Just I think it was there was a stretch there where he just absolutely I think it was in January he absolutely dominated. I think he was he averaged like thirty ten and nine in a month. Um, Russell Westbrook when he's on, there's arguably no one that goes harder every single time he goes up and down the court. Um, when I think of heart. I think of Kyle Lowry and I think of Russell Westbrook. I think those are the two guys that are going to they're gonna bring the most effort every time they go out on the floor, at least when it comes to point guards. I'm not, you know, talking about LeBron, I'm talking about all those other guys. But, man, what Russell Westbrook has done, like we talked about before the season started, we were kind of, uh, well, at least I was, I was kind of doubting Houston big time because those two guys had the highest usage rates the last four years were us and, and Harden. But, man, what they've been able to do is actually pretty awesome. You know, they got rid of Capella. That was a big risk for them. But they did that to, you know, get the most out of Russell Westbrook. And that shows how important of a player Russell Westbrook is in the NBA. Um, A lot of uh, point guards that you're seeing coming into this league are molding their game off of Russell Westbrook. So not only is he one of the best point guards, he's also become a pioneer like a Stephen Curry. So for me, Russell Westbrook's number three. Uh, my runner-up here at number two, Damian Lillard. Uh, I feel I feel bad for him. Like half of his team is injured. He's in the middle of a career best season, and they're like ninth in the West. And <laughs> I don't think it's going to be- get any better for this than uh, Dame. But got to give him some love here. He's having a sensational season. If they squeeze in, he's got to be in that MVP race for sure. So I got Lillard as my runner-up. I got Ben Simmons as my runner-up. This is a really high for some lists, but I think he's a total package. Only thing is a three-point shot, a jump shot. Just if he were to have that in this game, it's no contest for me. He has a size and everything you want in a player. He elevates his other teammates, except Joel Embiid. He's able to work with them when he's not on the court. Uh, triple doubles. So if Joel Embiid wasn't on that team, I think Ben Simmons would be the best point guard in the world. But Joel Embiid's on that team, so he's my runner-up. Yeah, my number two is Damian Lillard. Um, it sucks, like Pinello just said. You have, like, McCollum, Nurkic. You have those guys injured. They're a big part of the team. I don't know if Hassan Whiteside is staying or going, and that's a big, you know, that's that brings drama to the team as well. But Damian Lillard, year after year, he's dropping 27-plus. I mean, that one, when, when Kobe died, and then you saw what he did after that. He dropped 60, and then 60 again, and then 55. And just his range is limitless. His offensive game is limitless. He's probably one of the hardest guards to guard. Um, if if he had another superstar, man, I don't really know what his numbers would be like. Like, he would probably be averaging, like, 33. He's probably one of the best offensive point guards I've ever seen. And it really does suck that he hasn't had as much playoff success as he's had or as he's, I guess, um, uh, people have expected him to have. But, man, Damian Lillard, he's easily, he could easily be number one. But for me, he's number two. And, Pinello, take it away with number one. I know who it is. <laughs> number one, Luka Doncic, 21-year-old <laughs> phenom. Holy shit. Him and Porzingis, the first year him and Porzingis together, that experiment already worked out, putting those uh, talks to rest. There's really um, 
do I say about this guy? He reminds me of Dirk a lot in the sense that he relies a lot on his skills and his smarts. Because when you first look at him, you don't think he'd be the best point guard in the NBA. But that's exactly what he was this year. So, uh, Luka Magic, good for him. Number one. All right, shit. So, uh, Luka Doncic, I thought. Because it's like similar to LeBron where you see him on different positions sometimes. And then he is a playmaker, so... I guess I'll go with a tie then, because I had Damian Lillard. I want to show him some love. I love <laughs> Damian Lillard, one of my favorite players in the league. Just, uh, Chris, everything you mentioned, every single time he's on there, he can shoot and get 60 points. He can get 40, but whatever he does, he's making an impact on his team. And Portland, like he has Melo, who's an aged star. He has McCollum, Whiteside, but he doesn't have that elite franchise guy like you were talking about. And if he had that, I think Portland would be where the Clippers are probably because he's just that much of a difference maker. And Luka Doncic, what he's been able to do at this age, just it's scary. Like MVP caliber already. And he's still going to improve even crazier. So I think those two for me, easily you can have one A, one B. Those are the elite. They're in a class of their own, I think right now. And until Steph Curry comes back, these two are the best point guards. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll say last year Lillard and Westbrook were like 1A, 1, or like they were 2A, 2B for me. But no, Lillard Lillard has now, he's past Westbrook now. Um, his offensive game, it's probably better than Curry's. And I don't want to, I don't want to quote, don't quote me on that. But man, Lillard, man, his shooting, it's just terrifying when he's on. But yeah, number one is Luka Magic. Um, this guy coming into the league last year, I think he had uh, 15 or 16 triple doubles in his first year. And then this year, I think it was in November, he averaged a 30-point triple double in a whole month. So Jeez. what this guy has been doing, and again, Kristaps Porzingis is only scratching the surface um, of his full potential. So what Mark Cuban has been able to do, I don't know how the Knicks – I don't know how we made that trade. Um, I think the Mavs fleeced them. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., he could be amazing, but no one is on the same level as Porzingis. And then, of course, you have a guy named Luka Doncic come in the league and just absolutely dominate in his second year. I actually had him third in MVP voting if the season ended today. Uh, we'll get into our awards after this. But, man, Luka Doncic, I think he's going to be a multi-time MVP and when LeBron James says you're a bad mofo, that, that just proves how good Luka Doncic is. But moving on, we're going to go now to NHL, just talk about the awards. Um, so let's see what we got here. We're going to talk about the – so we got the Rocket, which is a tie between Pasta and Ovechkin. I'll start with that. Are you guys surprised with these two guys getting it? Absolutely not. With Pasta, I'm a little more pissed off just because I know the talent's there and given the team he's on. But Ovechkin, oh my God, year after year, age does not mean a thing. The guy can fire it. If, if he's there next year, I wouldn't be surprised. And the year after that, for that matter. But for Pasternak, the guy's, what, 24, something like that? Yeah. Not even close to hitting his prime. Um, he's got great guys around him. I don't see why he can't do that consistently, unfortunately. Yeah, I see Austin Matthews as crazy as it sounds. If uh, the games were still going on, I think he would have caught up to Pasternak and Pasternak, but I'd see Ovechkin winning this award. 
just at his age, he's still putting up like 50 goal seasons. Like it's crazy. I think Ovechkin still has three, probably four more years where he can get over 30, maybe two where he can get over 50. So he's not done yet. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so my biggest question then is when do they change this award to the Alex Ovechkin award? Because, like, he's had, what, eight 50-goal seasons, was looking to get nine, nine 50-goal seasons. No one's ever done that before. Um, but, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I think Pasta had 25 before Christmas, so I think it was just a matter of time that he would hit 50. But Ovechkin, to me, is actually the bigger surprise here. Um, you know, Kuznetsov hasn't had that – he hasn't had that much of a good year. Um, Backstrom as well. So the fact that Ovi is kind of just – he's still putting up those ridiculous numbers. And I'll talk about another Washington Capitol later on in the video. But, man, Alex Ovechkin just continues to defy age. So good for him. Um, next, we're going to talk about the Hart Trophy. Pinello, who's your Hart winner? Oh, man, I think it's going to have to go to Leon. I didn't think I'd ever say that given who his fucking teammate is. But uh, building off that 50-goal season, I never thought he'd come close to that again. He's, he's probably been the most dominant player physically. Um, and the way he skates, too, with that side. Um, he reminds me of Kopitar with a little more offense. And the kid's only, I think he's our age, too. It's really a scary sign for the league with that duo. So uh, I'll give it to the German, because the German will probably never win it again. Yeah, with that, I got Leon, my boy. Let's get in that this year. After this year, when McDavid is playing every single game and getting like 160 points a year, McDavid's getting that. But for now, give it to Leon. Let him enjoy it. And I don't know if they're ever going to win a cup over there. Maybe if they get their act together. But looking at that team, those two guys are probably going to go down as top duos to ever play in the league. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Three for three. I got Leon two winning it. Uh, 110 points in 71 games. <laughs> That's absurd. And the fact that McDavid missed, I think, nine games. And he went, I think he had uh, 14 or 15 in those nine games where McDavid did not play. So his dominance just continued, uh, even when McDavid was sidelined. So my biggest question then was, who was your runner up um, behind Leon? And after Connor? And after Connor, I guess. Oh, there it is. Nathan McKinnon. What a <laughs> guy. Uh, yeah, his team's been injured too all year pretty much. Missing uh, parts of with Landis, Cog, and Rantanen. And there were questions literally like a year and a half ago if he was a bust or not. And the guys had two 90-point seasons. He's billed on this season. He's only 23 years old. This is just a scary sign for the NHL. Uh, I think you're looking at these three as the best going forward, actually. So... Yeah, I'd probably put Nate right there. I will go with, uh, give Austin Matthews some love. He's had to go through a difficult time this year, especially Mikey getting fired and uh, everyone getting injured on the team. And he continues to even score. And a lot of people are saying, oh, he's slumping and he's not doing, living up to his potential. But even with that, he's still close to 50 goals. So just imagine if, uh, like some people say, oh, he's like Phil Kessel sometimes, if those times he wasn't and still scoring, maybe he'd be at close to 60 goals. So I think Austin Matthews uh, this year has taken a big step. Uh, maybe next year he'll really take over that prominent number one role on the team over Tavares. But uh, I'm going to give Matthews in that discussion of the heart. 
You guys are going to laugh at me who I think the runner-up is. It's Artemi Panarin for the Hart Trophy. Oh. I think this guy had a picture-perfect year. You, you talked about the, the, the contract he got and the backlash he got. And then he just came out and said, you know what? I'm arguably one of the best players in the NHL. He had 95 points in 68 games with a bubble team in New York. His line mates were Ryan Strom and Capo Caco to start the year. And Ryan Strom has had an unreal year. Capo Caco, unfortunately, not as much. But man, what even what Panarin has, we all know how good Zabanejad is. 40 goals in like 60 games. But I don't think he's getting 40 goals in 60 without Artemi Panarin. So for me, Panarin was easily the runner-up for me this year. What a season for him. But uh, let's talk now. We're going to go to the Vesna Trophy. This one was actually pretty hard for me. Um, oh, my God. I have like six names written down here. This is a bit <laughs> of a mess. And you know what? I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm throwing Tuka Rask in there. The games don't really meet the requirement, but when you just look at the stats and look at Boston and how well they play, and he's such a big reason why I'd throw him in there, runner-up. I, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this again. Ben Bishop, two guys who I just don't like at all. Uh, big reason for the star success. He's, he's been healthy. He's been putting up the numbers. Um, so I'll go with those two guys. Yeah, it's tough for me. Looking at all the good goalies in the league, see Freddie struggling. I thought this would be his year. His time to shine, but uh, I would probably have to go with Vasilevsky as one. Come on, man. <laughs> and if you're going out west, there's a, it's a tough one over there, too, because like, a lot of teams, I thought easily Kemper when uh, Arizona was going and they were in the top spot. I think he had that locked up, but ever since his injury, they bounced out of the playoffs a little bit, and uh, Taylor Hall is probably to blame for that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I got Kemper and I think they would give it to Vasilevsky because of the run they went on and, uh, just all the wins they racked up and then they haven't slowed down. They looked like the team from last year, uh, even though they started Vasilevsky. Yeah. If I'm basing it off of like the amount of starts, I'm, I love, like, I think Tuka Rask had a magnificent year, but he didn't have enough starts for me to win a Vesna. Um, I'm giving it to Ben Bishop. Um, but I'm giving the runner-up actually to Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg. I think he had an absolutely bounce-back year. I would know. I drafted him in fantasy. Uh, he had an absolutely – he had six shutouts. And, again, you talk about a team where they lost Truba, they lost Bufflin, they lost a lot of defensemen. So the fact that Hellebuck pulled his socks up, um, he had an absolutely tremendous year. If it's not Ben Bishop, it's Connor Hellebuck for me. But, but like a lot of, like Pinello said, there are at least like five goalies that deserve it. I don't think Vasilevsky deserves it. That's just my opinion. <laughs> like when you look back, it's like, oh, this guy's already like a six-time Vesna winner. Oh, come on, man. Like he, 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 there's times where Vasilevsky, I had him last year. He had like an 890 save in like a month, and he still won the Vesna last year. So I wouldn't give it to him this year. I'm going to give it to someone in the West, Ben Bishop. Uh, now I think this one's pretty obvious. The Norris Trophy. I'll start with Pinello. We probably all have the same answer, but I'll go with Pinello to start. It's John Carlson. Yay! Just a goal-scoring machine from the point. He just 
solid two-way player. Continues to improve on his offense every year. His defense has somehow become underrated. Uh, the guy's just a rock back there. He's starting to remind me of Petrangelo as he gets better, who is actually my runner-up. But, uh, yeah, so those two right there. Everything he said. Carlson, like, he ran away with it after October, so he won the award already. They just have to make it official, but I think they already gave him the award probably then. They already said, here, keep this in your house. When we give you the award, come out, act surprised. But John Carlson won it. Yeah, it's John Carlson. Um, it's funny, we did our fantasy defensemen. We had Brent Burns and Eric Carlson in the top three. They're nowhere to be found this year. Um, for me, um, the top three for D, before the injury, I love. I really like the way Dougie Hamilton was playing. But yeah, it's easily John Carlson, Roman Yossi, and Petrangelo, who are the best three this year. Um, I also put Victor Hedman in there as well. But yeah, John Carlson, <laughs> he ran away with the award. Over a point a game as a defenseman. I don't think anyone's seen that offensive production since Mike Green. It's funny I'm saying Mike Green, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, going with John Carlson. He's the winner with the Norris, like you said. He's got to act surprised when he wins it. Um, now we got the Selkie. Um, kind of like the Rocket Richard. We've seen the same guy win it over and over and over again. So, Pinello, is that the case again this year? Nah, I'm going Sean Couturier. Hey, there it is. Uh, Flyers are a weird team. They're in and out every other year. Uh, I think based off their success, he's been a very big part of that. Uh, he's another guy who just continues to improve every year. I think the first four or five years of his career, everyone just assumed he'd be a third-line player, and he's turned into this sulky kind of guy. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Sean. So, he is uh, most improved, right? Best defensive forward oh best defensive forward yeah that's a tough one i'm gonna give it to jonathan Taves, just because like his point totals have really surprised some people this year we're seeing like flashes of what he did a few years ago like those cup runs and a lot of people probably rid him off earlier in the year like okay maybe he's not as good offensively maybe he can just produce on a defensive end only but he's been able to do both this year so I'm going to give him that trophy again as a nice reassurance for his career. I'm going to give this award to Patrice Bergeron on the Boston Bruins. The best two-way center probably I've ever seen. Um, he continues to just put up numbers. I know he has line mates, Marshawn and Pasternak. A lot of people kind of write him off offensively. It's like, oh, if he was on any other team, he wouldn't be that good offensively, which it's it's fair to argue, but – Make no mistake about it, his defensive game has always been elite. And yeah, for me, he's he's winning this award. But now the last award, talking about the Calder. I think it's based on a defenseman this year, Pinello. Is it Kale McCarr? No, it's Quinn Hughes. Oh, okay. I I was going with Kale all year, but just seeing what uh what Quinn has been doing, he got the he immediately got the top power play spot there. Building chemistry with the young guys, that team going forward is just going to be so much fun. Reminds me a lot of Mo. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to give it to Quinn Hughes. I'll give him the slight edge. Yeah, I got Quinn Hughes too. Uh, Vancouver really lucked out with this one. Luck, so it's good to see that they lucked out and have this uh, rookie hit for them and show that he's actually ready right now to take over that top spot on their team. So Quinn Hughes is going to be uh, one of the mainstays in Vancouver. I'm going with Kale McCarr winning the Calder Trophy. 
Um, he easily took over. Uh, we saw last year when he came in postseason, first game, twenty-four minutes scored. Okay, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good debut. And then this year, fifty points in fifty-seven games. I mean, this guy is going to be probably a top five fantasy defenseman. Same with Quinn Hughes. Both these D are going to be absolutely elite if they're not already. Um, it's funny that how we don't have Kako or Hughes, Jack Hughes in this at all, uh, just based off what we were talking about before the season began. I mean, uh, Alino had Kako in his top 10 wingers. <laughs> oh but, um, yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason. Hopefully they develop. Um, some take a little longer, but, man, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes, those guys are absolutely tremendous. Can't go wrong with both of them. And the fact that Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer went before both of them, or sorry, went before McCarr, to me is a joke. So there it is. I have Kale McCarr winning the Rookie of the Year. With that being said, we're going to go with the Rookie of the Year in the NBA. Who is your Rookie of the Year? Is it Zion or is it still the point guard in Memphis? It is the point guard in Memphis. It's hard to ignore just because of where everyone thought the team would be. And uh, given that they're actually in a playoff spot and how young that team is, and he's been such a pivotal part in moving that along. So I have to give it to Ja. But if really, if Zion played like another month, I think that would be out of the question because he just fucking dominated the second he hit the court. He did, but yeah. I don't think it's fair, so I'll give it to Ja. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Ja too, just because of that. Like you mentioned, Zion came in a month earlier, and I think it's just games. Like Ja Morant played the whole season, so... He's done a lot to deserve that award, but Zion, like, he just fits so well with that team. Uh, the Lakers of, like, two years ago, basically, with Ingram, Lonzo, Hart. Uh, so they really have been able to have Zion come in and not really change anything about their dynamic and their chemistry, and I think next year they're going to be easily in the playoff spot. Yeah, same. John Morant, Rookie of the Year, no doubt about it. Um, now we talk about defensive player of the year. This one's a little harder. Um, Pinello, I'll start with you. I originally had Giannis here, but that's no fun. So I'm going to give that to Anthony Davis. I thought him and LeBron have been the best, um, best duo defensively all year. Um, they've been playing the best basketball the last month or two, and he's really been a big reason why. Um, so yeah, I got Davis for this award. Yeah. I think this year, just the way he's been able to play too off LeBron and uh, his defensive ability is really on display for them. So if he's uh, not playing as well in the playoffs, it might make a difference of if they're able to get past uh, the Clippers in the conference final if they get there. So I think uh, Davis deserves that based on the way he's played this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Giannis winning defensive player of the year. <laughs> um I know uh, my runner-up was Anthony Davis. These are the two top defensive players. And then, of course, you have the guys underneath, like Gobert and Simmons. Um, but, yeah, I think Giannis, what he does every single night, his blocks are amazing, his steals, you know, his turnover uh, ratio is absolutely tremendous as well. He has the best PER. He's got all the stats to prove it. Um, I know, like Pinello said, it's probably Giannis, but he's just going to go differently. Yeah, I mean, Davis does deserve it just as much as Giannis, but... Man, what we've seen from Giannis is just freakish. So Giannis winning Defensive Player of the Year for me. Next we got is the Sixth Man of the Year. This one for me was actually the hardest. 
when I thought of players. There's at least four guys I have written down. But Pinel, I'll start with you. Yeah, this was yeah, this is the hardest for me too by a mile. I got uh, I'll go with Dennis Schroeder, OKC. Uh, he's having his best offensive season. Again, like Memphis, no one thought they'd be anywhere close to where they are, and um, he's another big reason why, along with Chris Paul, I've been very impressed with him. But yeah, there are a lot of options here, but uh, I'll go with Dennis for six man of the year. I'm going to go with Fred Van Vliet, Toronto Raptors. Give him some love there. Uh, he's had to step in for Lowry a few times with uh, him and Norm Powell have really done a great job with that, and similar to what uh, Lou Williams did when he was on the Raptors. I think Fred Van Vliet is in that similar role. Comes off, gets some threes, plays some great defense, and uh, leads to some Raptor wins. So, six man. Yeah, my six man of the year is Marcus Smart on uh, Boston. I think um, he is the X factor for Boston. Uh, he's the probably their best offensive player too. And um, when he's on two from three, he can absolutely shoot the ball. To me, he might be their number one leader. When I think of their team, I think Marcus Smart might be their captain if they had a captain. I think Marcus Smart's their captain. He's their X factor. Um, what he does coming in off the bench, that energy, um, sometimes the scoring, the defense. You know, he does it all for that team. Um, I think, uh, like you, like what you said about Anthony Davis, uh, he's like the X factor for the Lakers. I think Marcus Smart, literally the same thing. If it was a playoff series. And Marcus Smart was delivering on all cylinders. They're easily, um, I think, their finals contenders if they're not already. But, yeah, for me, this was really tough. It was between Schroeder and Marcus Smart. And I had Marcus Smart getting the edge here. But now, <laughs> the most obvious one, we got the MVP. Is it Giannis or is it LeBron? It's Giannis. Uh, it's hard to ignore. They're already at 60 wins in a shortened season. The guy really basically the same thing as last year, just dominating every time he touches the court. No one can really seem to stop him. But you know what? I, I would not argue LeBron. You can argue he's having his best season. He's 35 years old. He's pushing everyone along. He just keeps getting smarter. But it's really hard to go against Giannis here. It's for me, Giannis. Uh, LeBron has had a great year. Doncic has had a great year to get in that discussion. But... Giannis is what they've been able to do again with Milwaukee, keep winning and not really show any signs of weakness. I see Giannis running away with the votes. It won't be a unanimous because, you know, LeBron's got his uh, people. They're writing and they want to write some good comments, make them happy and, uh, you know, be on his good side. But I, at the end of the day, it'll be a close race and uh, he's going to get the win, I think. Yeah, same. I think Giannis... I think he's got it locked up. A lot of people are saying LeBron could take it from him. Like you said, it won't be unanimous um, like Steph Curry. Um, but, yeah, I think Giannis is going to walk away with this one. My biggest question is how many MVP awards do we think Giannis is going to get? Because he's only 25. This could, will be his second MVP. Um, moving forward, can a guy like Zion or Luka Doncic or maybe even Lillard or Curry, can they maybe take a couple away from Giannis? But what are your guys' career outlook for Giannis when it comes to MVPs? Is he going to get five? Is he going to get six? What do you guys think? I'm going to kill it at five. There are too many young players in the league that I think are, I think they're bound for greatness and they're going to take that step. I think of Zion, if he's fortunate enough to play a full season, if he's healthy because he's that type of dominant player. But there, yeah, Luka Doncic comes to mind. 
I think he's going to rob a few from Giannis, but uh, yeah, I'll, I think five's a good number. I'll stop there. Yeah, I think that's close. Uh, five is probably like a good estimate. Then you got guys like Ben Simmons. If he figures it out, that's easily one. Uh, and then, yeah, Zion, Luka Doncic, maybe even Trey Young, depending on what happens with Atlanta. So there's a lot of great players that are young. We haven't really seen a rookie class since probably like 03, where they've all come in and really dominated right from the start. So I see Giannis getting a few, but he's going to be battling in the next few years. Yeah, well, that's basically it for this week. Um, make sure to stay tuned next week while we talk about probably the review for WrestleMania. Um, and, yeah, we'll just figure out what we talk about next week. Hopefully this virus, you know, it gets better week by week. But for now, you know, we just got to kind of stay patient. But, guys, stay tuned for next week. <laughs>